0: There's the dopamine effect to always be on. Well, we're also human, we need to take breaks and sleep. I know there's a lot of people that don't do that. It can create major burnout. We all talk about Web3 or this new technological revolution. We have to be aware of what we're bringing in from the past that didn't work. That's where I think there needs to be more awareness of how we treat ourselves and each other and the spaces that we're creating. And what are we really encouraging in this space?
1: Welcome to the NFT Now podcast, your go to source to succeed in the fast moving world of Web3. I'm Matt Medved. Each week, we interview visionary creators, builders, and collectors so you can stay up to date on the most important trends and tactics for the internet's next frontier. What's up, everyone? Matt Medved here, welcoming you back to the NFT Now podcast. We've got a great guest for today, Shira Lazar. Shira is an Emmy-nominated host, interviewer, and content creator covering social media, Web3, and digital wellness. Shira recently launched The Jomo Effect, a charity NFT collection featuring 40 artists with a focus on wellness and mental health and partners including Deepak Chopra's Siva Love Project and Time Magazine's Time Pieces. Proceeds from the drop will benefit five mental health charities, and I'm really appreciative of Shira for helping raise a conversation that I think is incredibly important and needs to happen more in Web3. Before we dive into it, I want to encourage you to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. Every week, we distill all the mayhem and the action from the NFT space into actionable insights direct to your inbox. You can find it at nftnow.com newsletter. Without any further ado, Shira Lazar. Shira Lazar, so happy to have you on the NFT Now podcast. How you doing?
0: I mean, I'm good. It's great to see you here. We've been hanging out at all these conferences <laughs> um, and it's an honor. I like, I love what you all are building and it's so cool to be here because I watch your IG feed
1: and I see the people and this is cool. So thank okay. you. Of course, of course. And it has been a very busy conference season the first half of this year, right? Like more so than usual.
0: It feels like from what March until now, what we're end of May, it's been nonstop back to back. I mean, you've been traveling. We've been in different countries. I feel like I just check in with people like what country are you in right now? Where are you at? Um, But it's really cool to see all the stuff you know, the energy happening around the world in different cities and the community is coming together around it. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it is cool to be back at home and grounded because that's like where you get to really work on your next projects and the continuation of the building and the working. You can't just always be on the go and on the road, even though people think that's my life. Right. <laughs>
1: No, you always need that balance. Well, yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. You know, why don't we start, you know, for for those who are who are kind of new, uh, new to all things, Shira, why don't we just go a little bit into your backstory and how you got into Web3?
0: Yeah, well, I've been in digital culture for almost two decades, and I started a company called What's Trending that covers the social media water cooler over a decade ago. And we are one of the first, I would say, interactive shows to do it. We then evolved more into a digital media brand and publisher. And, you know, two decades ago when I started playing around with digital video, it was very new, as you can imagine. I'm kind of aging myself. It was pre-YouTube. And for me, I always wanted to be a broadcaster. I looked up to on-air hosts like Ryan Seacrest and Katie Couric and Oprah (laughs) Uh, But at the time when I was starting out, you either go to local news or you audition for E or MTV and get that job, which is challenging, as you can imagine. And so I was not going the local news route. That was not me. I was a big city girl. And then I just wasn't getting those jobs. And I found myself um, in digital where I could practice what I love doing and I got rewarded for it. And I feel like that's like really the energy of this space where it rewards people that care and that are consistent. And that's always been a place that I fell back into, even as I've gotten traditional media jobs and I've been on TV, you know, those jobs come and go. Leadership comes and goes. And I always fall back into this digital community that welcomes me in with open arms. Uh, and, And that's always been a place I felt really good and safe and a place of growth and uh so for me in LA i was like one foot in traditional i was yeah getting jobs at uh, nbc and i was on you know cnn and all these networks but at the same time i had my foot in digital working for websites from at the time yahoo.com to wireimage.com every.com in la i feel like i worked for um and it went from being a stepping stone to my career you know, a lot of times at first it was like, OK, I'll, I'll use this to build my reel and then I'll get that job. I didn't, I guess, realize at the time I was actually building what would become my niche <laughs> in my career. Um, and it it was something that, you know, I loved because I, I it wasn't just the work, it was also the community, even back then. Uh, and it led me to starting, you know, What's Trending at CBS News uh, and then, going off on my own and building it as a business. And I was in many ways thrown into entrepreneurship. I was uh, an on-air host. I was someone who wanted to have a show and be in the media. And I grew up around entrepreneurs. And then the way I approached my work was in a way very entrepreneurial because I was always doing stuff on my own without getting hired. But I never thought of myself as an entrepreneur. And so, you know, when we separated from CBS News, um, I became more of a founder, (laughs) And um, continued building the company through a lot of different changes in media models, as you know, Matt, from your background. And I feel very proud with very little funding. You know, we've continued. And uh, through, again, you know, the changes in the landscape and a lot of companies coming and going. And now uh, we have our dot com. We're across social a few million Cross platform followers, we're on gas stations and in airports and uh, movie theaters. So you could bump into our brand serendipitously everywhere. Uh, so I'm very proud of that. Um, that said, you know, when you start something when you're in your late 20s, being now, I'm 40 now, but as you can imagine, I'm a different person. I've changed, my interests have changed. And so that became a bit of an identity crisis of what do I do with this company that I started that I still care about, but I also want to experiment and figure out what else is out there. And that's when I really ventured into the Web3 space. And um, also on the other side of that, uh, wellness and personal growth and mental health. Um, as, As you know, and I feel like I'm going on a rant here, uh, I could go, you know, I used to host a, a daily radio show for four hours.
1: So' I'm <laughs> You're like, making oh <laughs> it easy for me, right?
0: <laughs> I'm like, okay, when do you want me to stop? I was like, sound bites? No, no, this is a monologue <laughs> no. stream good. of consciousness. So uh, so uh, you know, basically running uh, any sort of company, but including in digital media where you could have a seven figure business one year and then go to zero <laughs> the next year. It really, it really um, like messed with my emotions and who and me, you know, because whenever we had really good years, I felt on top of the world. And when we didn't have good years, I felt like a failure. And my name was so attached to what's trending. It was what's trending with Shira Lazar. So there was this feeling like if I didn't get what's trending to a place of success and what I thought it could be or what everyone else thought it could be, then something was wrong with me. And I think a lot of uh, the inner work that I I had to do was separating myself from the company and saying that whether what's trending wins or fails, like, I'm going to be okay no matter what. It's not on me. And that led me into a period of self-reflection and inner work and my own eat, pray, love without really traveling too much, (laughs) you know, workshops and reading and, you know, therapy and. Um, doing a, a life changing trip to Everest Base Camp. Um, and that's when I started realizing wow, I really love being in spaces where we're talking about all this like juicy stuff <laughs> and our experiences and being human. And what if I started bringing that more into my content on my personal brand? And I started doing that with my friend Jordana Reem after that uh, trip in the Himalayas. And, um, yeah, that led me to starting Peace Inside Live, my wellness company, and simultaneously, you know, it was COVID and I saw everyone playing around, all the people from my web 2 era, Gary V, Alexis Ohanian, Randy Zuckerberg, all playing in NFTs. I already had been in the 2018 kind of surge of crypto and uh, being in Puerto Rico for the first crypto conference, I was always around these communities, but didn't necessarily know how to bring it into my professional life. And I think the creativity in the communities of NFTs allowed me to open up to being more in this space, uh, because that's how I connect, right? Through arts and through conversations and through storytelling. Uh, so it made more sense to me. And so, yeah, uh, that happens, oddly enough, in 2021. Um, And then simultaneously, Peace Inside Live was being asked to bring wellness to a a Discord chat for this Dino Monks NFT. And I found myself at this crux of like, okay, I tried to get away from digital through wellness, and yet I'm being brought into like this new world of Web3. And then I'm also starting to learn about it myself and meet all these amazing people. And then, yeah, I just went in in uh, late 2021, oddly enough, which is a long time ago, but not too long ago.
1: It's funny how that how relative things are. Right. You know, I yeah. always say Web, web three weeks or months and months or years. Totally. Uh, it feels it, it, it's, it's hard to believe that, you know, NFT now, for example, is is uh, less than two and a half years old. But it feels Only like we've been around. Yeah. Totally. And so uh, things move fast. Things move fast. But um, and that's that's one of the reasons why I think, you know, what you're doing with Peace Inside Live and, and the importance of wellness and mental health is such an important uh, is such an important topic. Uh, you know, in this space because of how fast-paced it is and because of how, like, relentless the pace can be. So why don't we talk a little bit about Peace Inside Live and the yeah. Jomo effect? Uh, yeah. You know, Charity Drop, uh, which, which uh, the, the uh, NFT collection that you released, I know it, it involved more than 40 artists, uh, you know, and you have a lot planned for it. So let's talk a little bit about uh, yeah. what, what went into that.
0: Yeah, well, the Jomo effect is a movement around Jomo, the joy of missing out as an antidote to FOMO. We all talk about the FOMO of modern life, including in a a space that is fast moving and global and involves volatility like Web3. It's a buzzword. Uh, But we wanted to talk about what's on the other side of that and how do we learn how to cultivate joy daily to use that as a filter for our actions and how we exist and that really is what we're trying to do through our work at Peace Inside Live and this creative project that we put together. Uh, and we partnered with other big companies in the space like Time Pieces and House of First and Deepak Show for Save a Love. And this became really a community project, a decentralized project. While well, we had the seed of an idea, you know, I never actually wanted to do an nft collection myself i consult and advise for companies that do it but i knew what goes into it and i was like "Mm, this is a mental health project i don't know if i want to you know uh do that because it is stressful right there is a reality to it and so i approached it very carefully and we did and so every element of how we did it was with that in mind so that's partially why we got so many you know, people involved because we said, we don't want to do this alone. Let's involve different strengths of different communities. I mean, even NFT Now with your Now Pass, um, you all posted in your Discord and got people involved. It was amazing to see the community really come together. Uh, we had DGen Network involved. We had 9DCC post about it. Uh, we had BFF and HUG. I mean, everyone really, I would say, through promoting it to their communities, in many ways, planted their flag and saying, like, we are committed to what this looks like in the future of mental health and Web3 and actually what that looks like now in terms of taking action. We also partnered with Adam Bomb Squad, who was just incredible. And I just credit Bobby for saying yes and telling his team to support us in doing this. And for every five that people minted, they got this custom atom bomb squad that says Jomo all the way. I like to call it a joy bomb. And um, that was really awesome. So, uh, you know, we launched it. I'm like almost losing track of time. May 10th, we went live for three days. We raised 16,000 Matic. It was on um, Magic Eden with Polygon. And as you mentioned, yeah, we had 40 artists that each created pieces of what joy means to them. And all the primary sales went to mental health charities. And so it was also during Mental Health Awareness Month. So it was a great way to come together around this cause. Uh, But I think that it's not just about awareness. We know it's about action. And so through it, one, you're helping others and and the work that people are doing in the trenches of this uh, industry and space and helping communities in need. But as a holder, we also brought together perks to support you with your own mental health and well-being. And so Chopra Foundation gave this incredible course that people could get access to. Peace Inside Live has meditations and experiences and 70-plus hours of, of content you can go through too, as well as meditation challenges. And so that was also really cool how people could gain something like, I would say, better perks in some projects that are actually profitable for people and for the people putting it on. Uh, and we're also trying to take the conversation offline uh, to IRL events besides virtual spaces where we had people really being vulnerable about their own mental health journeys, which was so beautiful and important. Um, and, you know, we took it on the road. We brought the art to Super Chief Gallery and had a great event in New York, and we're looking to do that now. In other conferences and events around the world, and continue this conversation, um, as well as make sure we are holding each other accountable for how we show up in this space.
1: I love that, and you know, we, we've spoken a bit about the importance of mental health in yeah. this space. Obviously, we, we shared a panel together at, at Consensus yeah. in Austin, um, and there's a lot to talk about. So, I'd love to hear, from your perspective, like what are kind of some of the factors that make the Web3 space so like prone to to a mental health crisis.
0: Yeah, I think that right away, uh, there's the dopamine effect uh, that we get from, one, I think the community is beautiful and the feeling of connection, right? But then the feeling uh, to always be on, you know, these Twitter spaces, we know that you can get engagement the more you do. What does that do to you if you feel like the, the more you do, the more you'll get? well, we're also human. We need to take breaks and sleep. I know there's a lot of people that don't do that. They'll see how little sleep they can get so they could drop into Twitter spaces or post more or be awake just in case um, an NFT or a coin maybe shifts and maybe, maybe goes down and then they could buy in or maybe goes up and they can sell. So all of this, I feel like, creates a lot of anxiety right and even more so than anxiety it can create major burnout this always on mentality and also this idea that if you don't get in because you're doing something else or who knows what you're gonna miss out right (laughs) like that could really mess with your head and then there's also the fear uncertainty and doubt Of like, did you make the right decision? A lot of people putting their savings, their whole worth into these projects, I would say worth spiritually, mentally, and also financially. And that could do a lot. So the combination is just, it's ripe for, I would say, a mental health crisis and disaster. And of course, we've seen it. You all have experienced it. And you don't even need to go to that extreme to experience it. I think we've all played the line, right? We've all danced with the possibility of, oh, maybe I'm doing too much. And you kind of, what's crazy about that is a lot of times you won't notice until you've gotten to the point of no return, right? How many of you think you're okay? Oh yeah, this is actually good. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling energized, and then out of nowhere, you're like, "Whoa, wait! How did that just switch to me feeling actually like I'm not feeling myself?" I realized I didn't, I haven't gone outside in a while. I realized I haven't worked out. Maybe I haven't meditated. I have, I'm not even eating healthy. I haven't seen my friends. Right? You can see how that could quickly turn to the dark side. Uh, and so, I think that if we're going to be creating this new paradigm this new world, we all talk about web three or this new technological revolution of creative and financial freedom and all these new things. We have to be aware of what we're bringing in from the past that didn't work. And what are we going to do about it? right? And so that's where I think there needs to be more awareness of how we treat ourselves and each other and the spaces that we're creating. And what are we really encouraging in this space? Um. And in the end, it is, I think, up to, it's like the founders, the projects, the ecosystem. But ultimately, it's also up to all of us to understand where our boundaries are and understand who we are. And again, what what brings us joy? And can we notice when we're not doing that? Or can we notice when we feel off? A lot of us are moving so quickly. We haven't even given ourselves space to understand what makes us feel good. That when we do feel off, We actually don't feel it again until it's hit the extreme or you've hit major anxiety, possibly depression, possibly more. You're in a place of crisis. So I think what we're saying as mental health advocates and enthusiasts and people that are constantly practicing this ourselves is like, let's not get to that point. Right. And how do we do that? And what tools are there to make sure we don't? And let's let's constantly bring up that question. So we are asking that. To each other and ourselves, so yeah, it, it's a it's a really interesting place to be in, and uh, now's the time to talk about it as we're yeah. building.
1: Hundred yeah. percent agree. Hundred percent agree. You know, like I and I've I've gone like you said, I've lived through it too. You know, like yeah. I remember. Um, you know my first crypto well my first crypto cycle was 2013 yeah when I was kind of you know was, wasn't as, as plugged in where I really saw kind of like that dark side of it was um, you know the 2016 to 18 where I actually like started trying to trade crypto and like yeah. learned that I'm not a great trader first off uh, you know much better at, at, uh, at, at, at long-term collecting and the like but you know I remember like being like glued to the charts and like losing sleep and like the emotional roller coaster, because these are 24 seven markets. They don't recognize weekends or holidays. There's life changing wealth on the line being like won and lost overnight, potentially. Um, And it's incredibly volatile. And like, you're almost always setting yourself up to not feel great. Right. Because like, even if you're like you look like like, if you're if you're trying to like be to actively trade in these markets or things like that, like very rarely are you going to be able to time it right. So you're either going to sell too soon or you're going to sell too late and you're just going to beat yourself up. And like, it's exactly. just like this this constant cycle, right? And like, you know, I also think that this this kind of like, you know, like like you said, it's like we almost don't even know what makes us happy. And it, it took going through that in 16 to 18 for me to be like, yeah, I am mm. not a trader. This is not good for me. And so like, you know, trying not to fall back into those habits during the during the next cycle, because that's the other thing is like, you know, Obviously, mental health, you know, mental health is is important no matter what field you're in, no matter what discipline you're in. totally on top of that, we have these macro cycles of like boom and bust and bull and bear that can, you know, like you said, you know, just like media, but like on steroids, it's like you can go from being on top of the world to like at the bottom overnight.
0: Yeah, that is so true. And I I realized also a lot of it. There's two things I actually want to talk about is I also started thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to buy in early to projects and then sell. And I was finding myself, yeah, having to be on my phone or laptop all the time. And I realized that was not for me. And I was like, I love this space, but I need to figure out how to make it work for me versus me be in reaction and working for it. and If this this is going to be sustainable. I noticed that I was trying to mint you know, uh, mint NFTs at weird hours. It was causing me to lose sleep um, and then figure out sometimes where I'm going to get the money from what account because maybe this account didn't have enough and that like it was getting wacky. I remember there was a weekend, like a Valentine's Day weekend where I was doing something with my boyfriend and literally I was on my phone for hours instead of being present with him. And he said to me, are you going to remember this moment of minting this NFT or are you going to remember the time we spent together? Oddly enough, I did mint that NFT. A year later, the whole thing crashed and, you know, the founder left and it was a whole thing. And I said to myself, that was a bit of a reality check. Like, was it really that important? Maybe I profited a bit off of it, but did it really make a difference? And I said, like, I'm just not going to play that game. Just like you said, you need to figure out which game you want to play. And if it does come naturally to you and you're really good at that other game, play that game. But if you feel you have an inkling that it's not for you, that you feel off, that you don't feel fully yourself, you don't feel happy, it's not worth it. Right? It's not worth it. You're going to end up losing uh, your own sanity and sleep, losing yourself, but you're also going to lose connection with the people that you love. So just like, think about that. And, yeah. and, it, it, and it happened. I saw it happen to me in like a small microcosm. And I was like, wow. And I didn't even go off the deep end. I was just getting on it. Right. I was just getting on the, what's it called? The board to jump. What's yeah. The dive. I was just the about diving to. diving board. Diving yeah. board. But then on the other side of it, when we were launching the Jomo effect, how do you create anticipation and excitement around something without creating the FOMO? All these projects are based on supply and demand and creating that buzz that if you don't sign up, if you don't try to get on the allow list, you're going to miss out. How do we create excitement without creating FOMO for a JOMO project? So a lot of our approach was constantly thinking about that and saying, okay, pretty much everyone is allowed on the allow list. Like, come on, you're not going to cut people out of a fundraiser project. But still, how do we make it so that through these communities, you should sign up? It helps us do the the project better and anticipate how many people are going to be there, right? And the work we need to do ourselves to keep on promoting it. There's some practicalities to it. I even went old school and said, we're going to send calendar invites to everyone. So part of it is signing up, just like a party. I need to know how many people are so I could prep for the party. (laughs) So partially it was that. And then to approach communities that I felt cared about mental health and said, put your actions where your mouth is, put your money where your mouth is. Let's do this together. So there were some practicalities to having people join the allow list. There was a discount, but it was nominal, right? It wasn't like this huge thing where if you, if you got in, you got in at 20 Matic. If you didn't, it went to 24 Matic. Yes, that was an increase, but so how we approached it, we approached it with mental health in mind, right? And then it was supposed to be 24 hours and we realized a lot of people were having issues with polygon and <laughs> conversions and switching and all that. And we said, you know what? We don't want to create that. We don't want people to not be able to join into something that's for good, for social impact. So we're going to extend the myths. And we just extended it. Guess what? Because we can. And, so, and we were transparent about it a lot of people are having issues. We don't want to create anxiety around this like you missed out. Again, creating FOMO. So let's extend it and let's raise as much money as possible. And guess what? If you need help, hit us up, slide into our DMs. We were, you know, we were buying, helping people buy. We were, you know, buying for people and then they were paying us back. It became like a call-in center, like a charity call-in center, you know, kind of going old school. So there was a lot of learnings in that in terms of like, how we want the world we want to create and how we built the project. And then also at a certain point, we had to close it down. We could have raised more. We could have kept it open. But my team was getting burnt out. I was getting burnt out. And we had to say for our own mental health, we're going to call this a day. We're going to, you know, as they say, ship it. We need to, we need to move on.
1: Sometimes you just got to ship it.
0: Sometimes you got to ship it. Um, and, you know, we put it out to the community. Does anyone want to oversee our Twitter over the weekend? I have my cousin's wedding. One of our team members is getting burnt out. And everyone will go. oh, well, I'm busy this weekend. It's Mother's Day weekend. and go, you know what? We did what we had to do. This doesn't end here. But, you know, for our own sanities, we're going to close this right now. And like those were questions we needed to ask. We had to practice what we preach.
1: Yeah, which is easier said than done sometimes, you know. But in uh, speaking of, like, practicing what, what we preach, I'm also curious to hear, like, what are some of the personal practices that you use to stay grounded while working in Web3?
0: Ah, taking a deep breath, I realize, like, I, I go fast. I go hard. You know, we're in, it's morning and we're recording. And I tend to get, you know, I'm not as much of a morning
1: person. <laughs> me neither. Me neither. It's I have afternoon for your that. time. <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: Um, so taking a deep breath, like, Putting your hand on your heart, just being like, I'm here. I'm present. When's the last time you took a deep belly breath?
1: I think we're like giving the NFT Now podcast. It's like ASMR moment right there. Yeah, and I hope (laughs) you're
0: doing that with us. And if you didn't do it with us, do it right now. Uh, So just noticing when I feel like my nervous system is off. I've been working a lot on my nervous system. And sometimes that works for you. Sometimes you need that adrenaline, that energy when you're working. But there's times that it doesn't work for you. Or maybe it's not the healthiest way to work. You know, being in news, I got so used to having that adrenaline rush, rush, that fight or flight response a lot of yeah. us use that as fuel for our work but i'm starting to work on like how do i not necessarily rely on that for fuel but rely on actually like my authentic self and what feels good you know versus what i feel on the other side of that where i feel drained and i feel off and it's not again maybe the right way to approach it um and so i think that Uh, practices like that, practices of figuring out how to be present when you feel like you've lost control or you feel that anxiety or that overthinking and overanalyzing start to pop up. Taking a deep breath, putting your hand in your heart, kind of realizing you are here, you are okay. Even affirmations. I'm an affirmation girl. I'm, I'm like, I'm powerful. I'm worthy. I'm loving. I'm abundant. Like getting my mindset there because again, our thoughts, can rule us. Our brains can take over. Uh, I i discovered recently a crazy statistic that we have like sixty thousand or so thoughts a day, and then eighty five percent of those are negative, which is wild. So we we get to really work on our mindset. So for me, I'm constantly working my mindset, and. Working on what I tell myself. Am I telling myself a positive story or a negative story? Am I falling back into the worst that could happen or the best that could happen? Um, And and a lot of that is a moment by moment practice. Or in the morning or the night, Uh, I I journal. I do gratitude lists. You know, I'll, I'll sometimes just throw out what's happening, what I'm feeling all that bent, all that stuff. But then I'll always end it with, okay, what am I grateful for right now and today? And then I also do Vedic meditation, which is kind of like transcendental, if you've heard about it, which is you get a mantra. Um, And so what's great about that is whether my phone is charged or not, I still could drop into a meditation. I love those apps and everything. It's a great way to start your practice or continue it. But um, someone... I was at a panel yesterday and someone said, it's really great how all these new apps and tech are helping, but what if you're offline and then you almost get addicted and attached to these apps. Like you can't actually practice on your own. So figure out a way to do these practices, whether you're connected or disconnected from tech, tech, I think is really important. And, absolutely, uh, yeah. And, uh, and then I think having, um, safe spaces and people, to really be yourself around like you have a great partner (laughs) i have a great partner and friends like we you need that right you need people to lift you up and remind you of who you are when you're not there
1: Mm, and that's really
0: important um and it, it could be your family or your chosen family right yeah so uh, that's a really important thing, but it still all comes back to you. Like everyone else could tell you how amazing you are or that you can do it. But if you really don't believe that, it doesn't really matter. So uh, the work that gets to be done is that inner hustle working on yourself in the end.
1: Yeah. No, I think that's spot on. And, yeah. You know, it, it's interesting. I, I'm one of the like videos from NFT now that like kind of seems like it had the most resonance in the community yeah. was, was one that, that I did speaking to mental health. And so many people reached out to me saying, wow. thank you for thank you for saying this. Like, thank you for 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 bringing up this conversation. And I'm curious, like, why do you think there has been traditionally like a <sighs> stigma against speaking openly about like mental health issues? And how can we change that in Web3?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like we're becoming more open. We're having conversations like this. And I I acknowledge you for speaking out about it because uh, including in industries or spaces that are very male dominated, like men need to be speaking out about this stuff. Right. To say like. This is because I guess what, if you're feeling it, a lot of people are, but maybe we're not acknowledging it and no one's doing anything about it. And so you're leading by example. So I acknowledge you for that. We need more people who are leaders talking about this stuff, uh, because a lot of times people experience it and they think they're alone. There's something's wrong with them. When it's like, no, this is all—it's unfortunately normal. And so I think that through social media and this next generation, we're seeing a lot of people discuss this. And yet, I still feel there it, there is a stigma. We still have uh, discomfort around these conversations. I think we could talk about it on a podcast, on social media, publicly. But I I, I challenge all of us, like what happens really behind closed doors when we're really dealing with this in real life? When you're dealing with it, when you have maybe an, uh, an employee, maybe a coworker that's dealing with it, a boss and a friend. That's really when I think we all see what happens or is this still stigmatized when it's real life and when we actually need to handle it and what happens? Right. Because I do think there's still some fear around it, around what you do, how you deal with it. And then also, you know, uh, can we take days off? Like what do we do when people ask to take time off? You know, I even have to check myself when someone says like, I can't do this because I am mental health, this, that, do we, do we just say, okay, roll our eyes or do we understand? And I I think we need to check ourselves constantly. Like, again, are we practicing what we preach? Because Mm -hmm. I think that, again, we know big companies talk about the importance, but actually, are they listening to people when they're asking for certain things that could support their mental health? Uh, And that's how we create sustainable spaces. And it it was even hard for me as someone, listen, I'm not perfect. As someone that talks a lot about this stuff, I need to recognize, am I taking care of myself? And also, if I have people around me that are bringing it up and that need support, what do I do about that? Right? Do I take it seriously? Or do I say, come on, you've got this, like, and you, of course, you. but like, do I gaslight them? And so I, I do think there's still some stigmas around, like, how we approach this in a practical day-to-day way and, and, and how many companies even have real, not just mental health support and telehealth access, but actually maybe they're bringing in a meditation into their town hall or their meetings, like. Are they recognizing when someone maybe is about to hit a mental health crisis? Like, do we, are we listening? Do we take note of the hints? A lot of times we don't because we're like, it's, it's easier to avoid it. Let someone come to you versus actually you bring it up. When's the last time you asked the people around you, how are you feeling? Are you okay? Is there anything I could do to support you? And really, what do you think? So I think until we really dig into those things and create consistent, safe spaces around mental well-being, I think there's still a stigma. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: And that's the work we're trying to do with Peace Inside Live. You know, in many ways, we're a digital wellness agency and collective, but we're trying to say to companies, you know, we know that you offer telehealth. Very few do. We know the American healthcare system. But then what are you doing in terms of, like, IRL? Are you bringing in facilitators to do these practices and and teach teams are you giving them access to apps or on-demand content content so they could do this themselves like how are you engaging with team members on this level or even community members if you have people living and breathing and hopefully not but dying by like by your brand and they do anything for your community are you asking them how they're doing
1: yeah, and right? you know, I, th- I think also also it's like compounded by the fact that especially now with NFTs, like crypto and culture have collided, right? And so yeah. all of these like all of these people from the creative industries are now in the space. Often, yeah. many of them experiencing their first bull market and bear market and the like. And I think artists are especially prone to this, right? Yeah, like, we all know the archetype of the tortured artist, right? Like especially th- these these creatives who are putting like their entire, like, life on the line, their entire creative being on the line um, in these challenging conditions uh, that, that we've spoken to, like, how can we make this a safer space for them?
0: Ah, huh. well, I think that that's, that's interesting because um, I think, okay, here, here's what I think. I think that the brands and platforms that work with these artists need to listen more and not just approach every project and every piece of art like a DGEN project and a project that's going to get attention through trading. Agreed. I think that we need to ask projects, what's your why? What's your pur- purpose of, of this project? And then that influences how we approach it. And while I know we'd love to standardize all of this, have this best practices handbook for how to release and promote every project and every piece of art, Everyone one is different because guess what? There are people behind it and there's a reason behind each one. And some, guess what? Will be like, this is just something we, we want to push out there and pump and do this. And great. Good for the, that project. But not everyone is like that. And that's the reality. We can't approach projects just like around trading or else you're going to make people crazy. And then also artists are not going to feel seen and heard and they're just going to feel like they're a promotional tool for your marketplace or your platform to maintain power and raise money and, you know, for your equity holders to feel taken care of. So like artists are not just a product. Artists are not just a tool for you to make money And guess what? You will make money in the like, I don't think there's a lack of making money if you approach it in that way, in a more humane way and in a more purposeful way. Like, I don't know, like, why we think that's impossible. And so um, I think that it's very discouraging for artists, I think, when they they have a creative vision. Exactly. They put everything into something and they either put it out there and they're being compared to X, Y, Z. Project that's doing this amount of money or trading—it's just like we can't approach everything the same.
1: Yeah, and I, I think I, that's I making
0: people crazy. It's just making people crazy, and then you have an artist that's actually—I mean, I think most artists stand for what they're worth, and they actually um, won't won't give into that conversation. But it's difficult, and it starts becoming actually—it's going to scare artists away from this space. We need to, this space is for everyone. There's all types of people that can be here. There are the traders, the Dgens. There, there's the creatives. There's the storytellers. Like this space can be for everyone and everything. We have to stop looking at it as a one-stop shop for and one way of doing something. And I, I um, throw this on uh, the platforms that want artists to be there, but yet don't actually listen to what they want. And I, I throw it on the founders also to speak up, and the builders. That's it. So um, I, I think that once we kind of acknowledge what people want and how to get there and creating win-wins, like until we acknowledge that, you're not necessarily creating also a safe space for artists and their own mental health.
1: Yeah, no, I, I fully agree there, and I, and I think it, you know you bring up a really good point. like there's all sorts of of different you know uh creative and consumer priorities at play here right totally i always say like you know one of the reasons we know we're early is because people still think about nfts as a category versus a medium that transcends every category right and they still expect all of these different projects to fit the same archetype or just or the or the or to get them the same outcome when you have different creators and different consumers at play and like you know as these markets mature i hope we see each category kind of you know, develop in its own right and and we stop necessarily putting some of these expectations on artists, stop putting some of these like unrealistic expectations um that, you know, that that really don't aren't in line with what 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 they're creating for and really the people they're creating.
0: Totally. It's marketing one oh one. I mean this isn't like rocket science. It's like what what is the project? What's the goal of the project? And then you build the marketing and you you build how you're going to sell it from there. You don't just go, well, this is what we've seen, you know, work, and now we're going to use that for every single type of project. That's ridiculous. It's, it's not like a you one size fits all. You wouldn't market a Michael Bay movie like you would market, like I don't know, an uh, independent film. Is not giving projects the ability to find themselves. Right. We also want it so fast right now. I think this whole thing of the sell- like selling out is a huge issue. Also, as we know, it's creating a lot of pressure. We approached that with with the Jomo effect. We decided to do an open mints because we could not figure out what the collection size could be. And we were starting to argue on it. And it was actually starting to create a lot of stress. And I go again, this is a mental health project. Let's approach this mindfully and let's not. Make it so that, you know, if you don't get in, one, you can't be part of it. And then also it's stressful for us. We were thinking about the consumer, the buyer, and then we were also thinking about the team. What does that mean to us in terms of what we're building? And that was like a lot of work, a lot of conversations between all the parties because it was a different approach. Some of these platforms know what they need to do to sell out and they will now bring that model to every single thing and i just don't think that works all the time
1: totally totally um no i I think you bring up a lot of things and concerns that a a lot of project founders are thinking about and like and and struggling with and like there is this perception in the space you know and like there is that pressure so um now that the the jomo effect has been launched what's next what's next
0: yeah well we are as i mentioned continuing to bring uh, the gallery show, the art to events and conferences everywhere. So if you have an event or conference coming up and you want to bring in some mental wellbeing, let us know. We'd love to bring um, the art there. And then we also have a FOMO to JOMO workshop that we do. Um, and we really want to bring this to not just like wellness spaces. The reason why we're doing this with digital culture is because we want to bring this to um, environments where people are overly connected as a way to show what's possible in this overly connected world and, and digital culture and really um, build at the intersection of that. And we also have the Jomo journal. Actually, I have a here. This is like the, th- the bigger version, but this is the Jomo journal. And so it helps you cultivate a daily practice for the joy of missing out. If you are a holder of the Jomo effect, you get this for 15 percent off. But it's still very well priced and they uh, we have morning and evening prompts at what is one thing that I will choose joy in doing today? What is one thing that I will joyously cho- choose not to do today? What is a boundary I can set and stick to? One thing that I can share good energy today is and what brought me joy today at the end of the day, just like reflections that can become a filter for how we approach our lives and and the projects we work on and the communities we're part of. Um, and then we also have art in it, some of the art from the NFT collection as inspiration. So uh, that was really cool. And then at the end of it, you can there's a QR code to buy the art, which goes back to charities as well. So the Jomo Journal is out and we're continuing to promote that. And also figuring out now the next stage of how we continue to bring mindfulness and wellness into companies and these community spaces um, and also pop up events. Like th- the future we see is at all of these big um, events like South by Southwest or even Consensus or it could be Davos or um, NFT, whatever events. <laughs> like, we see having these wellness pop ups where you can disconnect to reconnect. You can check out amazing art because so many artists are really creating art reflecting on their own mental health. And you could also discover new technology to support your mental well-being. So like we're looking to do that. Um and uh figure out how do you, how to engage more people with their mindfulness through tech. So what does that mean us building our own product? Possibly. That is blockchain enabled and includes some AI. Like we're thinking about all of that, what that means. Because right now we're a services business in many ways, which is really fun. But um I think the more we talk about this stuff, we want to build what we see that's possible. And so we is. can do it. Yeah. So there it is. So that's, what, that's what we're working on. And, um, and I'm continuing to do Twitter spaces and content too on my personal platforms. And I'm um, trying to make all of this understandable for everyone. Um, and uh, I do a weekly newsletter also called The Alpha, where I kind of recap all the news of the week. So you can check that out on my socials at Shira Lazar.
1: Boom. Well, we have our final segment now. It's a little like a rapid oh, fire round. We okay. do, we, we call it, we call it bullish or bearish. Love it. Um. So, you know, just going to go through a few different well, you things know you tell what? us. I have, yeah. I'm
0: bullish on you. This is my sticker. Boom. You know that. Oh, this is like, it looks like the opposite way on the camera. Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, it showed up right for me. All right. Bullish or bearish? Twitter spaces.
0: I'm still bullish on it.
1: There it is. Uh, bullish or bearish, Clubhouse.
0: I'm bearish on that.
1: Bullish or bearish, NFT NYC. I'm
0: in the middle. <laughs> I mean, uh, I feel like if I say bearish, I'll get called out when I just show up there.
1: Fair I, enough. Fair I think enough.
0: It, I think it's, it, 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 I, I'm down to be bullish on it, but right now I've been edging on
1: bearish. Hmm. Last one, bullish or bearish, wellness in Web3. Uh,
0: obviously bullish. That was an easy one. He's like, I'm going to make sure this one's easy. <laughs> bullish on that. I'm bullish on you. I'm bullish on NFT now.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Well, Shira, always a pleasure. Uh, I think this is an important conversation yeah. on a very critical topic. And uh, look forward to, to seeing you at the next conference. and. uh hopefully again soon on the NFT Now podcast. Thank you so much.
0: Appreciate it, Matt. And thank you for spotlighting these important issues. It means a lot.
1: That was a great conversation. I really appreciate Shira's efforts to shine a light on the importance of mental health awareness, especially in the Web3 space. And I hope that we can have more conversations like this uh, and that we can start to remove the stigma uh, associated with speaking openly and candidly about these issues because they're affecting many of us. And uh, it's important to make your voice heard. And it's okay not to be okay. If you enjoyed this episode and want to dig in a little deeper on what we're building at NFT Now, please check out the NowPass and the Now Network. We're building the future of tokenized media. I would love for you to be a part of it. You can learn more at nowpass.xyz. And you can hop in our Discord at discord.gg nftnow NFT uh, to connect with the community. Thank you again for listening to the NFT Now podcast, and we'll see you again this time next week.